tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello and welcome to an all new UFC on AfterBuzz TV 2015 edition. We're back! We're back! You're in my shot. We're back! <laughs> We're back! We're back! <laughs> Okay. The year started off with a bang. John Jones versus Danielle Cormier, a really highly anticipated championship light heavyweight title fight that, in my opinion, delivered. What do you guys think? Yeah, I completely agree. It was the one thing that uh, salvaged a show that, let's just say, is not going to go on best of 2015 ranks uh, yeah. lists by any means. Like we said at the end of 2014, we're in a really weird standing. We still have some injuries lingering. Uh, from the previous year, so uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier definitely started the year off right. Yeah, I mean, I think that whole event was so. I'm George, by the way, and George Ramosa. Um That whole J Tan, Dario. We've been here. Dario Bernardo. Um, that whole that whole event was sold on one fight. So it's kind yeah. of like you can have a little a weak undercard on the pay per view, even though I was really anticipated for uh, Donald Cerrone, Miles Jury as well. But yeah, that whole event, everything, every promotion, every commercial. It was just about that one fight. Because there was so much subject matter for that one. Like, yeah. that's a chunky fight if there is one for these guys to sell. And yeah, it was supposed to happen earlier in the year, uh, earlier in 2014, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it got rescheduled and postponed, and the animosity built and built and built from there. Yeah, so, uh, he was hot by that point already anyway. Are you okay? Sorry, audio guys in iTunes land. We're getting uh, visual direction here from our super producer monkey. We're in a little bit of a revamped studio. I don't know if you guys can tell, but it's beautiful. Go for the wide shot there. Yeah, we have a new table here. Yeah. There's no room for my computer. I'm lost. I can (laughs) strobe the floor, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dance party. I was afraid we were getting teleported. Jesus. Isn't that really cool? Hey, warn us about that next time, Dad. I could have had epilepsy. All right, and back to UFC. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. So last night, they were from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes, they were. Uh, January 3rd, 2015, the first UFC show of the year. They usually, they typically have one show either at the end of the year or the first of the year. Right around, um, yeah, the New Year's Eve. It's the U.S. version of yeah. Pride's New Year's Eve show. So essentially, this is at their end of the show, you know, Big Bang New Year show. Yep. Um, I always feel like it's always this. And then the July 4th show, or that weekend, where it's mm-hmm. always the big, big The card. July 4th show always delivers. I yeah, remember like, last year was the Ronda Rousey. But I'm saying that even, like, UFC 100 was on July, you know, that, that week. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But again, and it's always the end of the year, too. So this is now their WrestleMania slash SummerSlam, if you want to compare it to, you know, <laughs> take it to pro wrestling there references. You know? How I long knew did it was that going take? There. That was <laughs> 3 minutes, 28 seconds <laughs> there. Um, yeah, by this point, 
obviously the, the UFC for several years has been in the groove with certain dates that they want to hit and make annual events. Right. Uh, bigger shows like the New Year's, for lack of a better phrase, the New Year's Eve show. This whole thing started out, guys. Um, Pride, Pride Fighting Championships in Japan used to do a really big event. Actually, there were several big events in Japan, New Year's Eve. Regardless of what day it fell on, New Year's Eve, there was a huge fight show going on, usually at the, uh, the Tokyo Dome. Which I believe previously was the Tokyo Egg Dome, but um, there there were several different uh, several different promotions, pro wrestling and MMA. Oftentimes would come together, and you'd see the biggest guys, right, biggest stars of that country uh, come together. And sometimes wrestlers would fight MMA. Sometimes fighters might do uh, pro wrestling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, speaking so, of which, uh, one of the greatest, maybe even the greatest Japanese MMA fighter of all time, Sakuraba, fought on the wrestling mm-hmm. card last night on a Japanese show? crowd. Yeah, yeah on something completely deal. different, having nothing to do with the UFC. I was trying to keep it, you know, Sakuraba. That's why I said he's the best <laughs> Japanese MMA fighter. You tied it in well, George. Yeah, yeah. Good job. the Gracie but, Hunter. The point being, though, the UFC. The end of the year slash beginning of the year is one of those big marks for the UFC. Also, like George said, right. uh, July 4th, Memorial Day, I believe, typically is a big one. And also, of course, Super Bowl. I think the Super Bowl was actually one of the first big annual events. They used to call it Super Saturday, and it was the day before mm-hmm. the Super Bowl mm-hmm. when they would plug a huge uh, – they'd get a huge main event and then load the card up. It's typically um, a title fight. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely, if not maybe not – maybe not even ever – well, they not well. They have a non-title fight as the main event. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think in recent years of the sport, though, we've seen so much in 2014 to be specific, where we're anticipating this huge card, you know, like yeah. a John Jones, Daniel Cormier, and then you know, yeah, it's big. We see our stars, but they don't necessarily deliver as we thought they would. And then we also see, you know, shows you that I'm going to explain. Okay, shows that <laughs> don't have that big of names, you know. With amazing, amazing performances. Mm-hmm. So it's not only the you know the hype behind the show that sells the show. I mean, yeah, of course that does the original ticket sales. But then we go back and watch them every weekend, and we see amazing performances from guys of all caliber. So even though we might not think it's the biggest show or you know the best names on the card, mm-hmm. you know we still get some good content. So like this one had a lot of hype behind it, and you know it didn't exactly deliver how we wanted it to. But that doesn't mean that from an entertainment standpoint, like right, yeah. right, from entertainment value, of course. I think it's important to differentiate though the event itself from. The big draw, which was Jones Cormier, which I think really did draw, uh, did uh, deliver in terms of entertainment. Right, exactly. It was a good competitive match. Uh, John Jones did win by unanimous decision, forty nine forty six. Was that forty nine forty six across the board? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and a lot of the other matches, though, you know, there were some great names on the undercard. Donald Cerrone and Miles Jury was a match that a lot of people really anticipated. Well, they were in the main card, yeah. The George mm-hmm. Hermosa winner of UFC Fighter of the Year. Donald that Cerrone. was, <laughs> and, he, and he is proving you right. I, I didn't think that was a good matchup to begin with. I mean, Miles Jury is a young guy that's on his up and coming, mm-hmm. and you know, I understand giving him title contention and you know giving him kind of top 10 top 15 contenders in the near future but to feed him to donald cerrone and when i say feed him I, that's exactly what that means hmm. i think it was kind of rough kind of early hmm. i don't I mean, know he just came Cerrone. off uh, beating diego sanchez and Tecnora gomi who yeah. i know jay knows gomi is one of the greatest lightweights of all time they, yeah they are legitimate i don't know i just saw it being a bad matchup and yeah. i i don't know i just think that donald cerrone is one of those guys that breaks you in the cage and mm-hmm. you know it was a tough fight 
Miles did not bring it like he brought to uh, to Gomi or mm-hmm. to to Diego Sanchez right. there. And and who knows? I haven't seen any interviews or spoken with anybody from his camp, you know, since then to 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 know whether whether there was something that went wrong or not. There was another match. Uh, um, Hector Lombard and Josh Berkman was. Well, here, here's the story of, of the show, which will we'll tie together. A lot of these matches seem like very one way, uh, one way matches. I mean, sorry, I left my vocabulary in 2014. Apparently, <laughs> I think one sided. Uh, um, we had all but they were all unanimous decisions, yeah. but three matches out of I believe ten matches total, seven unanimous decisions. That's hard for a crowd to sit through, uh, much less a TV audience whose patience is going to be that much less. Right. Um, all of those unanimous decisions uh, of those, I think most of them were 30-27s. I'd say arguably uh, Jones Cormier was probably the closest closest one in terms of competitive skill level between the two. You know, mm-hmm. nothing at all came close to a split decision. And you know, and George Cormier, Jones Cormier was super competitive on both guys. But at the end of the day, it was pretty clear who won that match. It was pretty lopsided. You know? yeah. yeah, I, I could have seen rounds two and three being close, but besides mm-hmm. that, rounds mm-hmm. one, four, and five were yeah. definitely all Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get to that later. But let's, let's, let's just start from the bottom. Yeah, let's start from the bottom yeah. and go over the results. We had he- uh, number six, Hector Lombard versus Josh Berkman, who is returning after six years of being gone from the UFC. He stayed active in uh, other organizations. Yeah. but he had, some, he had some success outside the UFC submitting mm-hmm. John Fitch. Who is one of the most right. unbreakable guys up until then? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember he made John John Fitch pass out, if anything, mm-hmm. uh, with the chokehold. Hector Lombard defeated Josh Berkman mm-hmm. uh, via unanimous decision, of course. Uh, that was I like watching Hector obviously because I uh, trained with him in the past, but he's just one of those fighters that always brings it. He's really, really tough, tough as nails. Mm-hmm. Um, as we saw, his kicks hurt. Josh Berkman's the back of Josh Berkman's thigh was. Yeah. Well, veined and bloody and bruised. It was horrible. Yeah, it looks like there was a steak ready to go on the grill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Tenderized, but, ready. That was the greatest way to put it. Um, <laughs> also, they said Josh Berkman wasn't feeling well at the beginning of this week. He was yeah. very sick, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It kind of looked like he wasn't in there. I mean, with that said, that guy's a tough dude. He took a lot of shots yeah. um, from Hector Lombard. Uh, it was kind of weird because there were a lot of times where he just kind of kept dropping his hands and just kind of kept walking mm-hmm. away. It was like, I mean, I'm, I know they were both tired. So, I mean, uh, to me, it was now I'm, I'm looking at it as, you know, as, say, a judge. Just mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. looked to me as if Josh Berkman was mentally giving up. Not completely, not throwing in the towel, not saying, let's stop this fight, but yeah. like, dude, you're beating my ass. I'm going to do what I can do. I don't know. Joe it just Rogan, seemed like he kind of... Joe Rogan tried to save face for him. He was like, oh, he's just kind of looking for the counter. Uh, which he did. It looked like it was working for a little bit, but yeah. just too much. Lombard was just too much, too strong. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I expected Lombard to come out like the Lombard of old mm-hmm. at 85, just blitz through some blitz through a guy, right. you know. And I expected, honestly, the match to be done, to be done in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lombard did not... Uh, you know, he, he was... Pretty fast and, and had heavy hands. Both guys, I thought, for as weird as the match was, and, and Berkman's poise and, and posture in the cage, um, there were a lot of moments there where Berkman swung for the fences. Both guys traded heavy leather. Um, it was like a desperate swinging, though. Yeah, it, it was. was al- it was always on the back you end. You know, those. That's the stuff that makes great barn burner matches. Absolutely, where the fans go crazy and you just see four 
four fists going at each other. And there were a lot of moments where that started to happen, and then it didn't happen. Right. Lombard was more like a Terminator, you know, just constantly chasing down uh, Berkman. And I expected, I expected that kind of blitz, uh, blitzing finish, just a you know a three punch combo or something from Lombard, and that would be that. See, this that is- didn't happen. And on top of that, with with Berkman I, in the second and third, when he was dropping his hands, I was expecting a flurry. And once in a while, you saw that. But it wasn't, it, you know, it struck me a little bit kind of like Nick Diaz. But with Nick or, or Nate for that matter, they're going to, you see, you're going to see those fists fly and, and see, you do. It, you didn't I didn't see think it, it was like a Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz thing. I took it as like a desperation thing. Like, dude, I'm so, it didn't seem cocky. It didn't seem arrogant. It didn't seem, you know, spite driven. It just seemed kind of like, all right, yeah. I'm tired. But he but swung heavy when he did. You he, know? No, he did. He absolutely did. He, he held his own to the end. It was just his demeanor more so that gave him away as being, mm-hmm. you know, exhausted or whatever. But Hector Lombard, the difference between the old Hector and the new Hector, I think, is just a, a maturity in the cage. I think yeah. the old Hector was, you know, more sporadic and vicious and he would go for, you know, he'd smell the blood and he would go for the kill immediately. Mm-hmm. But this Hector seemed a lot more patient. You know, I, I think there was a couple times where he easily could have finished Josh Berkman had he yeah. flurried in and got him against the cage and really stuck to it. He rocked him a couple of times against the cage, and he didn't go for that exactly. kill. That's what I'm he, saying. He kind of just let it go, and I think he was maybe just playing it smart. He didn't want to go in there and catch one of those wild, you know, hooks or uppercuts and, you know, potentially get mm-hmm. knocked seen, out. We've seen happen a lot before oh, yeah. in, the, in the past. How many times fighters? have we seen, you know, completely lopsided fights where one guy is going and demolishing the other guy for four rounds, and at the end of the fourth or end of the third, whatever it may be, he catches one good right hook. Mm-hmm. Here's your homework for the day for all you people that have fight pass. Abel Trujillo versus Jamie Varner. Yeah, yeah. Now okay. look that up. You, you'll see. This is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. They, I, I saw a link today on, on the internet. Um, it was like... Uh, Brutal, what was it? Brutal attempts gone wrong. And it was like flying knee attempts, and like the yeah. guys coming in the flying knee and just gets hit with a right and gets knocked out. <laughs> Reminds me of Arlovsky against Fedor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one from Affliction uh, 3, I think. But, uh, but they, all, all this said, we see these, you know, we, strange fluke knockouts happen sometimes. But we don't see them as often as when somebody is rocked and against the cage and somebody at the caliber of Hector Lombard with his striking or with his with his judo and his ability to finish a guy in the clinch or on the ground. I think he should have gone in for the kill. I'm I'm surprised. I don't know why why he didn't. That's that was the part that puzzled me. Um, and, and far be me to second guess a fighter, but yeah, I, mean, I think he, like I said, I, I'm going to stand by what I was saying. I think he was just playing it smart. I think he knew he had the win. He wasn't threatened in any manner, unless going in in those close quarters. So I think yeah. he was just like, let me let me beat the guy up, go to the next round, and beat him up some more. Well, if you finish the guy with a great knockout or some <laughs> kind of great finish, you're more. More likely to win that fifty thousand bonus. Yeah, you, know? you got to think he was tired too, though. So maybe that was well, part of it too. But anyway, uh, you got to think now that uh, pretty much it's announced Lawler versus Hendricks three is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You were saying that Rory McDonald needs an opponent, but at the same time, though, Matt Brown mm-hmm. needs an opponent for next month because Tarek Safadine is out. Yeah, um, I know he was saying with put me in that card, but that's only like a month from now. Who knows if he'll be ready? But in the post fight press conference, when Dana White was asked who's next for Hector Lombard, he mentioned Matt R- Brown, R- mm-hmm. Tyrone, McDonald. Rory McDonald, well, or Ty- Tyrone. Tyrone's fighting uh, Kelvin Gastelum, so mm-hmm. them two are out. But Rory makes sense uh, next, and maybe Matt Brown too. Yeah, I, I, Matt Brown needs an opponent. I would like to see Rory McDonald and Hector Lombard. That'd be an interesting fight. 
Because Rory McDonald has like that stalking Terminator mentality. Rory is going to pressure Hector. It'll be interesting to see how Hector reacts to to Rory in particular. Hector's used to being the the pressurer, not the pressuree. So that should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Next on the card, we had Louis Gandinot. Is that right? Gandinot. Gandinot. Versus Kyoji Horiguchi. Mm-hmm. Um, he's ranked number 11. This is like, we were talking about it earlier when we were watching it. He's like kind of like a young prospect coming up. He's really a guy that, I don't know, I think he's almost ready for the top 15. I mean, he's ranked number 11. Mm-hmm. Almost ready for like title contention, but not quite there. Maybe a couple more. They asked or him Ruchi. that. Yeah, they asked him that in the post-fight press conference, and he said, not quite yet, but maybe soon. I think he's on a four-fight win streak in the UFC. Yeah. Uh, he comes in from Japan and is that right? Or uh, well, four fight win streak, I, I believe this might actually have been his uh, debut. Mm-hmm. But uh, comes in as a uh, uh, as a champion uh, in Japan. I'm blanking if it was with Shuto. I believe Shuto uh, was their champion at 132 pounds. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he he looked really good. Um, One. Uh, let's see, 30, 27, 29, 28, 30, 27. Um, he had uh, he was stalking uh, Gaudino a lot around the cage. Um, had his number, you know, uh, um, with pretty pretty much with with the striking across the board. Uh, in the second round, he threw, threw a, a jumping knee. Uh, Gaudino tried to jump guard with the head and arm choke, um, but didn't quite get it. But the rest of the the rest of the match pretty much was Horiguchi. Yeah, the difference in, in, in the striking ability between the two of them was so immense. I mean, Horiguchi is a guy that's so fluid on his feet, has such amazing movement. I mean, mm-hmm. his pivoting, his, his his boxing movement was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fluid, you know, like a fighter should be. Whereas Gaudana ha- kind of had this unorthodox, karate, he's a karate guy, um, a Tiger Shulman guy, so maybe that was what it was. He was very flat-footed, very heavy on his feet, and every shot he threw was like a haymaker, like he was landing to kill. Mm -hmm. So it kind of left him really heavy on his front feet, which I think, you know, was part of the reason why he was getting caught so much coming in. Mm What do you think, George? Yeah, I mean, he was grinding him. That's pretty much it. Um, Never really... He was on tough, right? Yeah, he was uh, on the season of Tough with uh, Michael Dodson. Bisping versus oh, Jason Miller, Jason Miller, yeah. which was uh, yeah, I believe John Dodson won that. And that was at uh, uh, that was at bantamweight. One mm-hmm. of it was of the two different weight classes, Gaudino and, and John Dodson. All those guys fought at one thirty five, right? Um, but they, of course, they've all, a lot of them have dropped down to twenty five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, Gaudino, I think will kind of be one of those uh, mid level utility guys. That they keep around for a little while, unless he goes on a major skid. I don't know. That's such a hard division. We talked about that earlier. You have like the you know you have the champ, yeah. and then you have everyone that the champ beat, and then you have all the other guys below them. So there was an interesting statistic on UFC tonight uh-huh. that uh, that they showed the number of fighters in each weight class. And what surprised me, I wish I could remember that the most uh, the most populated one was lightweight. And the 101 fighters. Really? Yeah. Um, but the wasn't the second most. I was surprised, I'll say, that uh, Flyweight that we're talking about right now had, I believe, around 64 fighters. Really? Which was pretty comparable to middleweight and I dare say it might have been uh, light heavyweight. Wow. Which surprised me that there would be so many. But still it was, you know, among the lower, uh, uh, middle to lower weight classes in terms of population, which means to me that there's going to be, you're a bit safer 
in a weight class that doesn't have as many guys because they don't have that many guys, you know, or as many as, as a bigger one. So, um, you know, God no, like, like I said, you know, it's, I, I, I'd have to t- look at his, uh, um, his record to see, see what his past five have been, for right, example. Right. Too, but I think one of them was a no contest. I think yeah. this is his second loss in like within five fights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's gonna have to kind of reestablish himself pretty soon, uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Next, we had Brad Tavares, number 15, versus Nate Marquardt. Um, really good fight. I like this one. This yeah. one was a little bit more entertaining than the others. Uh, nice takedown by Tavares. Great kicks by Tavares. Uh, mm-hmm. Tavares won via unanimous decision. Yep. Across the board, 29-27. Uh, sorry, 30-27. Yeah. Um, I, the story, I think, that, or the thing that comes out of this match, mm-hmm. we all seem to really kind of take note at how big... Brad Tavares looked in this uh, in this match compared to Nate. Both of them looked big, mm-hmm. though. I yeah. mean, but Brad Tavares looked huge. Brad's a guy that always surprised me. When I remember uh, interviewing him at one point, uh, just shortly after when, the season when he was on Ultimate Fighter, right. which I believe was Chuck versus uh, Chuck Tito? versus Tito. Might have been. T- I think it might have been Tito. Then yeah, replaced. Yeah, and replaced by Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, because um, I remember Chuck was. Uh, Coaching his opponent Seth Bazinski, I believe one of the matches during in the house, but um, Brad didn't seem that big to me as uh, like physically, mm-hmm. but in this case, you know, six one uh, and one eighty five, he looked really big in the cage he against really Nate, and Nate is known to be a big guy stepping in the cage. All um, we kept saying is, CM Punk, are you sure that's the weight class you want to fight at? <laughs> are you yep. sure? Because yeah. that looks like a Big difference in size, but he was in control. He was super strong. Had no problem with yeah. Nate, uh, who, who, you know, unfortunately also didn't really get a lot off. It seemed uh, Brad was having a lot of success with his uh, with his jab. You know, he was fast with his hands, uh, stuff to take down. Uh, at least a, in the second, he had the single leg, um, clinched off the cage. He had Marquardt, you know, against the cage mm-hmm. uh, off of uh, off of his charge. I'll be right back. I gotta go somewhere real quick. Alright, just keep going. He's gonna go find some, some really cool stories for us this, to talk about. This break this break brought to you by uh I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we had Donald Cerrone versus Miles Jury. Mm-hmm. Uh Cowboy's one of my favorites. I think you like him too. I love you, me some cow- you love cowboy paws. Um <laughs> but I love watching Donald Cerrone get in the cage. Absolutely. This is a guy that has been around early enough, um, I think, to you know he he made his uh, he made his track record. He made his uh, his rep, as you will, in uh, WEC. And when they crossed over to to the UFC, right? You know, has has a string of, of fight of the night and performance of the night, um, or knockout of the night, submission of the night, whatever you want. Like, when Donald Cerrone is on the card, obviously, as you guys have probably uh, probably well know, mm-hmm. and as we've talked about numerous times last year, because the guy fought so dang much. Um, you're gonna, ch- chances are dollars, uh, dollars to donuts, and I love donuts. You're gonna f- get a fantastic match. You're gonna get a fight of the night contender or performance of the night, uh, nominee. Um, this yeah. is tough because Cerrone prides himself in that, um, 
he prides himself in that and also fighting very frequently. Miles Jury is a guy that's been coming up uh, through the ranks pretty fast and had a lot of uh, um, lot, lot of limelight on him or, or um, expectations of him. Mm-hmm. And we didn't quite see that uh, this time. This was not the competitive back-and-forth match that a lot of people expected it to be. Um, Cerrone almost finished Jury in the first round with a, a rear naked choke and a body triangle mm-hmm. that he held on, I think, for something like three minutes. Uh, even prior to that, almost in the beginning, he got Jury uh, stuck in a really nasty omoplata that was locked on, you know, seemingly to me pretty tight and secure. Um, and then, uh, you know, he, he took that round. Second round was uh, stand-up. I didn't think... It, it was much less action-filled, to be sure, mm-hmm. than the first round. Um or at least less progressive. But, um, you know, jury looked all right. They were trading back and forth. I even, you know, the first viewing I gave, uh, is that right? Did I, I gave jury the first round, or sorry, the second round, 10 9. Um, and on second viewing, it was, I, I could still kind of stick with that. Um, and that said, you know, but, uh, and Cerrone took the, uh, the third round, especially with a sweet finish in the last, uh, 20. 10, 15 seconds or so. Yeah, I mean, I gave all all three rounds to Donald Cerrone, mm-hmm. definitively. Um, Donald Cerrone, like I said before, is the kind of guy that breaks you in the cage, and I think he did just that to Miles Jury. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like Miles Jury was in there like, oh my god, you know, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. Not to not to take anything away from him. He's done. He's proved himself time and time again. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he's faced some amazing competitors just recently. But Donald Cerrone was just a different caliber, and I think... Uh, like you said, Donald Cerrone is amazing at marketing himself. Mm-hmm. He's the cowboy that everyone loves to love. He sits there with a the Budweiser and is chewing tobacco after every mm-hmm. fight. I mean, who doesn't love the guy? But he's also known for putting on an exciting performance. And mm-hmm. we saw there at the end of the third round that he was pissed yeah. that Miles Jury wasn't participating yeah, in, in an exciting about fight. Kicks. I'm gonna, a few I, I, kicks. Yeah, let's get to that, that, George. <laughs> so was like, it was, what was it about it? Because, I mean, you can literally, a lot of times when somebody's on the back, you know, you don't want to get in the guard. Sometimes you throw like a little kick through the thigh, you know, kind of see what to do. Little not, kick. Not Cerrone. <laughs> he he literally, literally winded up and kicked as hard as he could. This is the last. On Malager, shin to shin or to the thigh. Like Last 10 seconds of the third round. Over like five looked brutal kicks. Donald Cerrone was so pissed off that this fight was shit mm-hmm. that he wound up and kicked <laughs> Miles Jury as hard as he could while Miles is in, you know, guard position. And, oh, they were, like you said, they were hitting shin to shin, which anyone who fights knows that's the worst pain in the world. Well, until you have, like, iron shins like Donald Cerrone. But <laughs> at my level, it's very painful. And, oh, he was kicking them everywhere and every yeah. which way. And it, it looked very, very painful. And it was retaliation for Miles Jury yeah. and not stepping up <laughs> to the plate, in supposedly. The, in the post-fight press conference, he goes, those are F.U. kicks. Yeah. yeah. So they I mean, were he definitely. He didn't say "f you." He actually said what he said the, the word "you" stands for, which um, frankly we probably could too. But you know, they're <laughs> fuck you kicks. Gonna, I guess we are. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to have the explicit sign I on the got, iTunes. I just got the look. Now, now when people click no. on it, it's going to say, "Are you okay to watch this? Are you no, over no, 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 no? You're allowed to say it once. I think. I think it's three times. Do you want me to make it explicit? I could do it right now. <laughs> might as well show my tits then if we're gonna get if we're gonna go there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I love Donald Cerrone. He was my fighter of the year, um, yes, and he he, he already wants to fight again. He's like, mm-hmm. you know what, February fourteenth, they're in Colorado, my hometown. Please, Dana, let me fight there. And Dana loves that. He's like, dude, that that's why you're my boy. Yes. He said that like multiple. That's why he you're my boy. So I'm kind of curious. But at the same time, who does he fight? The only thing that makes sense is Khabib Nurmagomedov. Whatever I always get it wrong. But is he still hurt? 
And if he is still hurt, then who else makes sense? I mean, everyone else is taken. I mean, maybe Gilbert Melendez? Ooh, daddy. Ooh, I oh. like that. That would be an interesting choice. I now, don't want it. Oh, God. That's a, that's they, a already, one. they already announced Pettis and uh, Dos Anjos right. from Dallas right. on, I think, May, March 14th. Um, of course, Gilbert just came off a fight. I'm sure he's going to want to fight again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be an excellent test, especially if they keep talking to Cerrone. Is he ready for a title shot? If he beats Gilbert, he absolutely will be I ready for a title Cerrone shot. Cerrone is not ready for a title. I don't know how I he's not ready. I would be very interested. You don't see how he's not ready? Yes. I agree. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen him run through these guys. I think he, you said a four-fight win streak? Five Six. Fight? Six? Oh, my God. Yeah. This guy hasn't lost recently. Maybe he's six, maybe he's on a run. Oh my god, his kicks are looking more beautiful than ever. And put him against a good wrestler like Gilbert Melendez. You know see funny? what happens. His it ground game, his ground game is very underrated for yeah, the simple yeah. fact that I don't think he, I don't think he's ranked as far as the belt wise. Yeah, that's what they were saying in the in the press conference. Yeah. They were like, I don't know what belt he is, but he's a good belt. Like he's no, amazing no, on the ground. I, like, I don't think he has one. I think he's right. never really, but truly, he's an old given a rank. Guy. Yeah. Um, but he, like I said, you should be. He should be somebody who should be considered as a high class jujitsu guy because he is. I mean, yeah. that body lock. Miles Jury was not going anywhere after that body lock. Well, Miles Jury initiated the takedown, and Donald Cerrone took advantage of it yeah. completely. I mean, he's one of those guys where, if done correctly, you're never going to get out of body lock. We've seen it happen with other people before, but you're not going to get out of Cerrone's body lock. No, that no. scissors. His legs lock. are so. I mean, that's what he's known for. His mm-hmm. legs are so strong. I had a gig. I'm trying to remember the last time this was. This would have been like 2009 or 2010, I believe. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll even say 11, but probably like 10. Um, a, another gig I was doing on the internet, MMA stuff, and I remember looking up Cerrone and counting. He must have had like 13 submissions at that point. Yeah. And guys, that was like five or six years ago. I don't even know what, what the number is at now, mm-hmm. but... I know that he's won at least uh, at least one, if not uh, several more, by submission. Yeah, the guy's ga- the guy's ground ground game is very underrated mm-hmm. for him being known as a kickboxer. Right, the guy is just an overall fighter, and that's exactly what he is. You know, he's a tough, extreme cookie. lifestyle badass. <laughs> so, how it is that he didn't have the WEC championship around his waist, I think, must have been just timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one split decision with uh, was it Varner? Jamie Varner, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but, you know, it, it, if there's a guy that's kind of uh, your reserve go-to guy for a title match, it's oh, yeah. Donald Cerrone. Oh, definitely. That said, he wants to stay busy. Gil Melendez versus Donald Cerrone is a very imaginative match. I like that because if it goes to the ground with Gil's wrestling, Cerrone has a pedigree to... Uh, to match to pair that up with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and striking wise, it's going to be a fun fun brawl. Donald Cerrone looks like one of those guys that has like, have you ever heard the term like construction worker strength, like that real man strength, <laughs> not like I not call like it retarded farm horse strength, but yes, yeah, same I know what thing. you're talking about. <laughs> he looks like that guy that's just so strong mm-hmm. that like you can't manage him. Like I I picture Gilbert Melendez trying to take him down, mm-hmm. maybe succeeding. You know, attempting the grind on the ground, and then Donald Cerrone just like being like hell no, and like hmm. pulling off a triangle or something. Yeah, Gil would have to be very careful about those legs wrapping around him oh, as well. Definitely, yeah. definitely. I think it's a dangerous spot for him to go. So yeah. I think that'd be a really good fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we will see more from Miles Jury to be sure. I, you know, I I think this was a derailment. Um, Sometimes, as we've talked about, losses can be really good for somebody. I think this was the perfect loss for Miles Jerry because mm-hmm. I, I think he's an amazing fighter. Mm-hmm. But I just think that 
he needs a couple more. I think he needs to go back and build and really just work on what it is that's in this next caliber of fighter. You know, what what are the Donald Cerrone's doing? What are the Gilbert Melendez is doing? And, and especially those kicks, you know, that's uh, um, that's adding salt to the wound. It's insult to injury. Mm-hmm. And I would think that that would be, whether he feels whether he feels like Cerrone was justified in it or not, right? Um, it's it's a motivator to come back and have a better performance, have the performance that you're known for, Absolutely. rather than that one. Yeah, I mean he's he's definitely done better, so mm-hmm. I think we'll see a better Miles Jury next time. Yeah, but let's go to the main event of the God, evening. That was the main already, oh, right? The evening. Jeez, Louise. Good, Bruce Buffer. Fighting out of the blue corner, Daniel Cormier. Versus the champion. That's so Michael Buffer. That's not Bruce Buffer. Yeah, it's there very was nothing in that, guys. Huh? Come on. What did you want me to do the whole thing? The main event. Oh, uh, man. Well, you got to jump up. Oh, the evening. It's time. Fighting out of the blue corner. Uh, with the record of whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. 205. Wayne. Daniel. <laughs> J.C. Cormier. And now, fighting, fighting out. out of the red corner. The champion, John Bones. Jones! You didn't say their weight. Weighing in at oh, 205 pounds. This is not Bruce we're talking about. No, this is George Buffer. Yeah, that, was, that. that was very good. George. I know it's good. I practice in the shower every single day. Do you do the that 360 whack, degree turn or like the 180? <laughs> I, did, I did once until I fell on my booty. <laughs> oh, okay. That's why I have this little... No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, John Jones... Took on Daniel Cormier. The cool thing about this fight, not only it was the light heavyweight title fight, it's also John Jones' ninth title or eighth title defense, ninth title fight in total, mm-hmm. and they're both undefeated. Were undefeated. Well, no, not Jones. Technically, he has that loss. DQ lost. Technically, he's he's not undefeated, but which I is mean, kind of a fatal thing. Technically, he is yeah, undefeated. Pretty much, yeah. Um, he got dis- not technically. Technically, technically, he's, he's, he's not, not undefeated. But, but really, he yeah, is. Yeah, but really, he is. Um, <laughs> he did dominate that match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he got I mean, DQ for just legal a little bit of the, Just a little bit of the buildup. Um, I don't remember a fight with so much... Uh, animosity. I don't want to say hatred, because that's too strong in a verb. Yes, animosity would be a good word. I think hatred um, is in it's the right neighborhood as well, frankly. Yeah, maybe. Um, just going back, I mean, again, and, it, and it's funny. I'm gonna We're going to tie it all together. And it all started with... How they met the first time. We've all heard the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we're not about who's right or wrong, but John Jones goes up to Daniel Cormier and says, "Hey, you know, I heard you're Cain Velasquez's uh, wrestling coach. You know, I heard you're Olympic. <laughs> I bet I can take you down." DC, of course, takes that completely the wrong way. Uh, he's like, "Who do you think you are?" You know, I'm, it probably I'm, didn't help that Jones didn't know DC. I would think that you know, being an Olympian. Uh, DC would be expecting cool. a little bit more recognition yeah, from somebody bit. in the wrestling community. Yeah, yeah this mean, was back in like 2010, though. This is October 2010, because that was when right. Brock fought Cain Velasquez, and that was in Anaheim in October 2010. So this was years ago. This was even before John Jones was champion. Right. Because I think mm-hmm. he won it in like February 2011. Um, so then fast forward, you know, Daniel Cormier's doing his thing in Strike Force, John Jones coming up, uh, finally. You know, once Daniel Cormier developed in light heavyweight, he's calling out John Jones, and of course the fight gets announced, and then of course the whole press conference happened. Uh, I think after that, it kind of took everything into a whole new level. As the far UFC as press conference in Vegas, it was yeah, it was, it was press Vegas. conference that was the the pull apart because it was supposed the, the to be initially the Janu- uh, September twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to be on that right, show initially. And that then John Jones got hurt. John Jones got yeah, hurt. John Jones got hurt. Got postponed on January 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are. And here we are, yeah. It finally happened. But I say that uh, because now we're going to get into the fight. And 
John Jones. The whole thing was started off with, hey, I bet I can take you down. And he did. And he did. Bring it back to Bacon. Yeah, that is it, well it was done. At some point. That's and it a wasn't winner. Even, and yes, he took him down in the later rounds, but no, he took him down in the first round as well. Right away. They, they immediately showed like a graphic mm-hmm. right after he got taken down. This is the first time Daniel Cormier ever got taken down and ever in MMA. Every mm-hmm. time I try to get like statistics on MMA or like or like little gauging points, like oh, mm-hmm. the Olympic wrestler always beats the junior college wrestler. Mm-hmm. I lose, guys. Every time I lose, <laughs> I try to get these little like marking points in my mind. Like this makes a better MMA fighter than this one, and I'm always it's always contradicting. And that ties the ties it together with the bow, the nail on the head. Anything can happen in this sport, this, and, and it's you funny because it, it kind of goes back to the buildup where. Uh, I think Ben Askren was on the same team as Cormier. I think he was on the Olympic squad mm-hmm. the yeah. same year that Cormier was. Right. Yeah, he was. Then you had John Jones. You know them going back and forth. Like I think he he put up a picture of Ben Askren losing, but then Ben Askren put up a picture of John Jones as like JV or something like that. You know. Yeah. Um. I mean, <laughs> long story short, I really think ninety percent of John Jones's victory. I mean, he's the most athletic, talented. You mm-hmm. could say it all about him, but so much of his game is mental. I think mm-hmm. the guy has one of the best attitudes, one of the best determinations we've seen in the sport. And mm-hmm. Daniel Cormier, crying in the post-fight press conference, admitted that. Said that he's never shared a cage. Now, Daniel Cormier shared a cage with lions and tigers and bears. Mm-hmm. He has never shared a cage with a guy with the same um, you know, charisma mm-hmm. and determination as John Jones. That's what he said yeah. as he was crying in the post-fight press conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to look at the type of guy that John Jones is and why he wins the way he does. Because, I mean, on paper, you would say the Olympian's going to take I, down... I had Daniel Cormier winning. So did I. I did not. I, I, di- I didn't think that it was going to be, you know, a one-sided fight. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be very competitive. Yeah, but I thought that Daniel Cormier was going to grind mm-hmm. the shit out of John Jones. Mm-hmm. And I thought Jones was kind of, you know, going to come up with something clever to get out of it and, you know, maybe some of his cool elbows and stuff like that and get score some points. I thought it was going to be close. See, I picked Cormier because I think he was 15-0 and before tonight or before last night. And I don't think he even lost a round. I mean, That's what they and, said. And, and here's Never a guy a who... Be the great of the greatest. Uh, I'm gonna say Roy Nelson. Good way to start off. No offense, Roy <laughs> Nelson. Uh, Bush, the Josh Barnett, Frank Mir, uh, Dan Foot. Henderson. You know, Bigfoot Silva. Uh, I mean, here's a who's who of not just light heavyweight, but also guys that fought heavyweight. Right. Um, so he, the guy that he's beaten is is a great resume to have on guys you beat. John Jones as well. But the thing about John Jones was, I saw. I don't say flaws, but I saw weakness at some point, whether it's against Gustafsson. Or you know, whoever, mostly against Alexander Gustafsson, though that's the thing. I saw John Jones in a weakened state. Right. I had never seen that in Cormier. Right. That's the only reason why I picked Cormier. But going back to what Brian Stan said when mm. predicting his, you know, for for the main event, he said, "I'm not gonna count. I'm gonna pick John Jones because I have no reason not to." So right. from here on in, from ever and ever, <laughs> and every single John Jones fight until he loses, I will always pick John Jones to win. John Jones to me is like like um. Like the studdle in the basketball team. Like the youngest yeah. person on the basketball team that just comes in and kills like the varsity players. And the varsity players are like, dude, I've been he, around I mean, forever. Like, it, what are you doing? To quote that, I mean, he reminds me a lot of the Michael Jordan of his of his of his sport. It's he's the guy true. who just makes it look very easy at times. Yes, he he doesn't, you know, win every single game, but at the end of the day, he's gonna be known as one of the greatest of all time. Maybe Jordan is the greatest. John Jones, although you can call him the best ever. He's going to say, I'm not. I got a, y- a lot yet. I have a lot yet to prove. 
which kind of scary because I mean for him to say yeah. that that yeah. he can still get a lot better, and well, we'll get into let, that afterwards. Let's just but. say this: John Jones is uh, he's now moved to New Mexico, where his gym has been for the past couple years, several years uh, with Greg Jackson. Mm-hmm. Before this fight, he's just now starting a regime where he trains consistently throughout the entire year. Prior to that, he had only trained for like his camps. When he had a fight coming up, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I'll go down to New Mexico and train. He didn't train in his off-season. He had an off-season where he mm-hmm. just chilled and was a father and a, and a husband. Mm-hmm. So that's really scary. I mean, you have a world champion that you know has eight title defenses that doesn't even train year-round. Mm-hmm. I'd argue the same thing at this point with this performance against DC. Um, there's a really st- strong argument, and in fact, even it's hard to... Uh, Hard to kind of counterpoint the argument that John Jones may be the best we've ever seen in the sport. Yeah, um, I had a feeling that he was going to figure out how to uh, how to solve Daniel Cormier's puzzle, mm-hmm. and he did. Um, he outstruck him. Uh, he 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 was he used his balance and height in a, in a very unique way mm-hmm. in the clinch. You know, kind of, uh, he worked Daniel's body, and then in the clinch, it was almost like um, Jones seemed to, he would clinch and uh, and kind of take a farther back stance, almost to, um, I, I don't know, to establish his, his base that much uh, that much farther out to drive into mm-hmm. uh, Cormier. And of course, the takedowns uh, in, in the early, the first round uh, was the thing that got into Daniel's head, mm-hmm. and from there, you know, he was able to, to really, uh, to and dominate, I guess you'll say. Um, but here's a, here's a couple other points. DC in this match, DC. Um, I feel like that even though the the scores were pretty lopsided, forty nine, forty six, um, and I scored it all uh, all five rounds for Jones. Frankly, mm-hmm. I can see how two or three would be uh, close. Um, I feel like DC didn't lose this fight as much as John Jones just won this fight more. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was a great competitive match. Unfortunately. The well, maybe fortunately, uh, the winner in each round was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there, um, were, there was no, like you said, there was no loser. Mm-hmm. John Jones won by yeah. a margin, mm-hmm. but it's not like he beat the crap out of Daniel Cormier. It's not yeah. like he grinded he, him out pretty much. Yeah, he ex- that's exactly what he did. He grinded him out through yeah. all five rounds. Cormier had a lot of success too with the with the upper uh, mm-hmm. the uppercut, uh, dirty boxing from the clinch. Right, John Jones to Corm- to DC's credit. John Jones took a lot of shots to the head and, was and to the body. Completely unfazed. Yeah, he wasn't phased, which is is a scary thought. And like you said, <laughs> yeah. if this is if if we've been seeing John Jones half-assing it in terms of his evolution as a fighter and a martial artist, and now he's decided to go <laughs> serious, right? That's pretty severe. Now that said, in MMA, again, anything can happen. There will be somebody that comes along and beats John Jones. I don't know who it is, <gasps> and I don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think and so. I don't even know that it's necessarily going to happen at another weight class. It could happen at 205 at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Everybody does lose unless you retire early. <laughs> you know? No, they don't, Jay. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Fedor lost. I mean, John um, Jones, that guy is... I mean... <sighs> Everybody loses. A lot Anderson of people were, loses. Yeah, about the fight though. A lot of people are analyzing. She if, will. If John Jones will win if he keeps it, if he uses his, his length, uh, DC is going to win if he if he keeps it close. But a lot of times it was like I think you were saying like why why is John Jones in the clinch? Well, because he's winning. I mean, you it know, was the I mean, opposite. So, yeah, so a lot of people were saying that's like John Jones beat DC in his own game, and I think that's what is more impressive. 
yeah. the fact that he yeah. beat Daniel Cormier in ways that they were saying that Daniel Cormier was going to beat John Jones. Right. Um, and that's what I think makes John Jones, that's your biggest argument for why impossible. John Jones could mm-hmm. be the GOAT. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they were talking in the post-fight press conference. Dana White uh, was asked, is John Jones the best in the world or could he be? Mm-hmm. You know, basically comparing him to like Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And Dana White said, I'm scared to say it because John Jones is so young, but mm-hmm. he definitely could be. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I think Anderson Silva really started, lo- or, you know, lost is because of his mental game. I think he got to a point in his career where he was so untouchable, so unreachable, that it was he he lacked the motivation. And that was a question they asked John Jones in the post-fight press conference, or they mm-hmm. asked Dana White, what's his motivation now? Mm-hmm. He's beat everybody. Why? What, get, what? What is there to get excited about? Yeah. And John Jones so simply said, oh, my God, this is just the beginning. What yeah. are you guys talking about? Like, motivation? I bleed motivation, you know? I have so so much yet to prove, so much yet to accomplish. I was only training part-time. Now I'm going to train full-time. So John Jones does not lack in the mental department as far as determination and will goes. So I think that's going to get him further than, like, an Anderson Silva. Yeah. He's been through a lot in a short amount of time, you know, in as, as a young fighter. The youngest he champion. Is. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, when he, he arrived on the scene and he blew through a lot of guys and really opened people's eyes widely um, and, and impressed a lot of people. He dealt with some a lot of personal stuff uh, behind the scenes, away from the cage, you know, with the uh, uh, a car crash and a DUI where he lost his, uh, I think he lost his license for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, publicly, you know, he, he had mud on his face on that one. Um He's been dealing with fans not liking him. When when he arrived on the scene, he was a lot of people's darling because he was so good. Mm-hmm. So he's had to he's had to grow and mature and deal with all this stuff under the uh, the public microscope. He's like a child star. Yeah, you know you have to grow in, fr- in front of the. And now he's gotten past that stuff mentally, or or so it seems, and as he claims, you know, he speaks with a, a different confidence where he's accepting. Um, he's accepting his his arrogance or his uh, his role with the public, you know, or, or their impression of him, and he's kind of DGAF about it. Um, and now he's just going to focus on improving. That really is going to be the thing that turns him into uh, um, turns him into something. I, I think we can we can argue that he's easily possibly one of the one of the all time greats. Certainly, I, I'd argue probably the greatest right now in the sport. Um, as a fighter, is he perfect? That's the. I think that's the next challenge. That's what I think he wants to go for. Yeah. Um, and I know perfect is a very strong word to use for anything in life, but the guy's damn good. It's scary that you say the word like uh, improving, or that John Jones says the word improving, because I'm mm-hmm. really curious. And I'm I'm dishing it out there, iTunes, YouTube, whatever. I want to hear other people's argument for him not being today the best pound for pound fighter. But I even want to hear people saying like why he's not the greatest of all time. I'm not going as far and say that or I am or not or I am saying it or not saying it. But I just want to hear why. Mm-hmm. Why would you not say he's the greatest of all time? That's a good question. Because yeah. like I said, and and it's funny, Dana White always back and forth. A week ago, he was like, "Oh, Pettis is the best pound for pound fighter." Mm-hmm. Um, DJ, you know Ronda Rousey, but I just don't see how anybody can say that John Jones isn't the yeah. best right. pound for pound fighter today. He, he's a guy that we've seen loopholes in his game, but mm-hmm. very, very little, very minimal. Um, and he's just proven, like you said, your favorite kind of fighter is the guy that does the undoable. 
you know, he's an untouchable guy. He does everything that we think isn't doable until we see John Jones do it. Yeah. So I think that alone makes him one of the greatest and one of the best. And mm-hmm. his arsenal. I mean, he has one of the most diverse toolkits I've ever seen in MMA. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to get him far, too. But overall, like I said, his mental game is... I like that he talks like a fighter, too. A lot of guys will say, you know, I want to give thanks to my game. He's like saying the words warrior and spirit. You know, like he talks like a fighter He as does well, talk you know? like a fighter. You know, definitely, you know, challenge my warrior spirit, you know, my mental game. This, I mean... Right. Well, he takes like, his role very seriously. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, I think a lot of it was, was what I was saying earlier is a lot of it's mental. Like his coaching, uh, his mentality. A lot, that's a lot of things that you can't really teach. Right. You either have it or you don't. And he, he said something that was so interesting to me as a fighter. He said, I finally come to terms with my career. And that's like, what I'm talking about. A lot yeah. of people may not get what that means, but you know, being a fighter, Every, I don't care who you are, every fighter has their fears and their stipulations and, you doubts. know, their struggles and their doubts. Cause it's a sport where you face humility at every turn. Mm-hmm. It's not basketball where you can be, you know, undefeated forever. You still get punched even when you win. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you still, you still fight the struggle. It's a, yeah. it's a fight. It's not, it's not a win or a loss. It's a fight. You're fighting. And John Jones saying that he finally came to terms with his career, meaning that like he finally accepted Okay, my job's hard, but I know I can get through it. Mm-hmm. And he said specifically, I know I have the cardio to get through it. I know I have the mindset to take any kind of punch, any kind of takedown, and bounce back up. And that's that's an interesting spot for someone to get to in their fight career. And I think that puts him on a different level mentally than so many fighters out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, comparing you know to the other people, the other person everybody thinks is the greatest of all times, Anderson Silva. Um, one of my, I, I never, even at that time, I always thought GSP was better, just for the simple fact that I saw uh, flaws in Silva's game, and that was wrestling. Right. You put right. him up against a great wrestler like Dan Henderson or even Chelsea Chel Sonnen. Yeah. They took him down like with ease. Um, so like I said, I saw flaws. Even with John Jones, yes, he's lost a round here or two. Yes, he's gotten punched, you know, but I, I yet to see a way you can beat him. Mm-hmm. I know it kind of said something earlier, but. It just shows, you know, you, you can't really beat him. Even when you throw everything at him, yeah, he might have a busted lip. Maybe he might, you know, you know, take a picture with a swollen face, but he still won. And you heard Daniel Cormier in the post-fight press conference say that he was amazed by John Jones's size in the cage. He's yeah. like, he was so much bigger than I and thought not, he yeah, was Yeah, and again, not just height-wise or weight-wise, but just his presence, yeah. you know? And, and yeah, I, mean, I think that's part of the reason why no one can rock him. I mean, he, of course, he has a really good jaw and a really good chin, but... At the same, he's so big, and mm-hmm. I just don't think these guys are doing it. So maybe if he moved to heavyweight, maybe you know. Have I mean, more he did mention if given the opportunity, he'd fight Kane in a heartbeat. But he still got all. He's like, he's like, I still got a lot to prove with two hundred five. I'm like, what do you got to do in two hundred five? Yeah, what is there um, left to prove? Go fight. I Kane. mean, the, the the cool thing about being a champion like he is is as opposed to other divisions, mm-hmm. he's fought everybody just one time and he's beat them. You know, it's not like the bantamweight where you saw rematch, you know, rematch, rematch, you know, Burrell. I mean, he's probably going to fight Dillashaw again. Faber and Cruz we saw over uh, a few times. Um, and the good thing about it is, and no, no, no disrespect to Rousey and, and DJ, but a lot of the guy, a lot of the people that they fight, it's kind of like there's really no one left. You know, like there's no, yeah. there, you got your number one, you know, your champion, and then mm, arguable number two. And it's like, oh, well, let's put this one in. You know, let's put yeah, who's I don't even know who DJ's fighting next. Just just for the sake of. 
You know, but we gotta, again, we gotta, he, they got to fight someone as opposed to John Jones. He's fighting the top of the top guys. He'll get to a point, though, where it wears out and he's fought all the, like right now. Yeah. Well, no, he has Alexander Gustafson rematch. I mean, and then from, maybe- a, from a, I'm kind of torn from who I want to win because I do want to see Jones Gustafson too because that first fight was amazing but I kind of want to see him face someone new you know like so Rumble I. Johnson yeah. you know and Rumble Johnson is no joke either that guy is is, is tough yeah so. I think either way we're going to end up seeing both those matches yeah Maybe there, you know, Jones is going to fight one, maybe two more times this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, we're probably we're probably talking about you know middle of the year, maybe maybe springtime, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the year, most likely. Um, a lot can change in especially in this sport in a few months. Yeah. The whole landscape can change. Obviously, the winner of Gustafson Jones, and then who knows how the lay of the land will look yeah. at that point. I think Cormier know. should fight the loser of uh, Gustafson Rumble Johnson. That, that does make sense, um, you know. Yeah. But then, what do you do? I, I think maybe yeah. even you, you find somebody else yeah. in the in the top ten because if he beats the loser, it of puts him Gustafson in contention Jones, again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're back in that bottom yeah. rack. I, I would like to see a rematch eventually, but not yet. Not quite yet. I don't want it to be one of those things where it's like the guy doesn't get to improve before he gets the rematch. I like that Jones was like, he's like, bring Cormier. I wouldn't mind beating him up again. Which is different because he's usually opposed to fighting somebody more than one time. Mm Mm-hmm. So but I, I don't think there's an argument for a rematch yeah. anytime soon. No. I mean, that's what he said. Is you know, if he wants, he can start winning again, build him up, build himself up, and mm-hmm. I'll beat him up again. Yeah. All right, guys. We are not going to be here this coming week because there's no MMA for us to talk about. But we'll be <laughs> back with uh, McGregor versus Seaver, Benson Henderson versus Eddie Alvarez. Some super exciting fights. We we'll probably super have about. about five weeks off this entire year, guys. Yeah. And <laughs> one of our breaks just happens to be this coming week. Wait, there's a fight in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Who do you think's going to win? <gasps> Which brings us to our afterbuzz. Oh. Wow. So before we get into the main event, there is Eddie Alvarez versus Benson Henderson in a lightweight, uh, maybe a title contender match, even though they both just came off losses, but who do you see winning, Benson or Eddie Alvarez? Alvarez. (laughs) Benson just came, they both came off losses, Mm -hmm. so I mean, they both need the win desperately. I, um, I want to go, I feel like I have to study their matches more, but if it gets uh, closed up in, in the clinch for some reason, I you know I see Eddie. Uh, I can see Eddie pulling off an upset here. I agree. I think Eddie Alvarez is going to win. Eddie Alvarez, hands down. Cool. And then we have the main event: Conor oh, McGregor oh, versus oh, Dennis oh, Seaver. Oh, oh, oh. McGregor. McGregor. I'm on the bandwagon. I usually like to go against, but I'm going to go against McGregor. I'm going to go for McGregor for the simple fact that that he's going to win something that I've never seen. He's got. Don't want to compare him to John Jones immediately, but I mean he's got something. He's got that it factor. He that, does that that, that the At top least, guys. I don't have. know if he has the, the skill level yet. We'll see in coming in coming fights, but he definitely has the star power. And if he wins, eighty thousand stadium, eighty thousand seat stadium in Ireland. Yeah, gonna blow the roof. We'll or whatever's left. What do you think? If there's Jay? a, if there's I, a I do think that uh, McGregor probably will uh, will come out on top. Seaver. Seaver, I think probably was more comfortable at uh, fifty five. Right. He certainly yeah. had a better. Uh, Better success at 55. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that uh, Connor, there's a reason why they're doing this match. Mm-hmm. And it is. Both in Boston. They're doing it. In Boston. Yeah. They're doing it specifically for Conor McGregor yeah. to look good and get a win that <laughs> they feel like he should be able to get. Because. Right. Um, what was it? What, what do you get? Seaver versus, uh, Seaver versus Jose Aldo. Mm hmm. 
you know, you, I don't know. Cause Cause you're, it, you're going back to Calgary. With it that feels one. like they didn't really need to. No, have, just to my Canadian, my Canucks like out there. But they didn't really need to have this fight from McGregor to get the title shot. Yeah. It right. feels like he was already there, but it's like something to do. Uh, let's put him in Boston. He was there Irish in terms country, of, anyways. You know? He was there in terms of hype. He wasn't there in terms of yeah. the win streak. You yeah, know, he needs this uh, fifth, uh, you know, fifth win. I think Dennis Evers is a tough guy. Let's see what Conor McGregor does to someone like that. Or He's already the, faced some tough guys. Or we can see a huge upset. Or we could see a huge upset. But either way, guys, we will be back the following week with some awesome MMA news. What do you guys have? Some shout-outs? Some tweets? Where do you want to be found? As always, the social media hasn't changed. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, J10716. Um, Mom, there's a reason I created your own profile, so please stop trying to add Downton Abbey to my queue. That's my territory. Thank you. You can follow me on Instagram and at Twitter, at Hermosa. That's G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. That's it. That's Just it? follow me. Yeah. I'll put pictures up. Uh, you guys can find me at DariaB28. Also on my Facebook page, Daria the Jersey Devil Baronado. I do have a fight coming up. It's February 7th up in Victorville, Victorville, California, <laughs> at the Dodge at Ram. At the Victorville Stadium. No, it's at the Dodge Ram Arena. And you can go on my Facebook and I'll be selling tickets. So hit me up, message me, text me, call me if you want some tickets. Thanks, guys. See you Bye. later. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.